0: And good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space in West Limit 102. My name is John Keeley. Delighted for you to join us this morning. Uh, beautiful morning. Uh, we're going through actually just past the longest day of the year. Uh, you're very welcome, and thank you indeed for joining us this morning. Um, just to introduce to you this morning, who I've got on the other end of the line, I've got the one and only Shane Ambrose. Good morning, Shane. We're good, and you, I know you've got some good news about the blog, which you might speak about towards the end of the program this morning. No and also uh, this morning, I want to welcome on to the program Anna McNevin, who is a member of the um, Emmanuel Youth. Isn't that right, Anna? Yes, that's right. John, good morning. Good morning and thank you indeed for joining us this morning. Anna is going to tell us a little bit about um, a youth forum that's coming up there shortly. But just before she does, again, uh, as we always say on this programme, it's especially for those people who are sick and ill and can't get out of bed, can't get out of the house this morning. You're very welcome and thank you indeed for allowing us to come in and share this hour with you. Of course, this programme does go out as a repeat uh, on Thursday evening at 10.30 for one hour. And, of course, you can listen to a podcast of this program, which goes out on our website, which is www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. As I said, Shane will give us a bit of information about that towards the end of the show. We always light a candle here, and that's to remind us that we're in this sacred time together. We have, in fact, invoked the Holy Spirit again this morning to stay with us, and hopefully we we will say what the Holy Spirit wishes us to say. If you want to contact the program at all during the, during the week, as we always say, and we always like to hear people's comments, the, the phone number would be 069-6200. Or you can drop a line to West Limit 102 Radio, Shearns Road, Newcastle West. Or you can contact us by email. And that's on sacredspace102 at gmail.com. And as we said before, we'd like to, to invite a few more people to come and join us here in the program. Uh, whatever uh, role you would wish to play, um, you'd be very welcome. There's lots of room in the studio here. Okay, at this part of the program, we to go into a prayer space. Um, this morning, rather than do that, I'm just going to read a spiritual communion prayer that we always pray first, and then we'll chat with Anna, and then we'll go for a piece of music. This spiritual communion prayer is a prayer that we pray each, mo- each Sunday morning here, and it's especially for those who cannot receive Jesus at Mass this morning. And the spiritual communion prayer goes like this. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I am you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to, to be separated from you. Amen. Okay, just before we go for this piece of music, for the next few minutes, we'll um, have a chat here with Anna, Anna McNevin. She's a member of the Emmanuel Youth. Now, people might remember a few weeks ago, we did have uh, Geraldine Critton uh, to speak to us about the Emmanuel community um, but I found out that they have a youth section and they have a a big forum coming up recently, uh, shortly so just before we uh, Anna speaks about that maybe you can tell us a little bit about what the Emmanuel youth get up to please
1: Yeah well um, there's, we're Emmanuel youth and we join the Emmanuel community in their regular activities so our, our weekly um, gathering and our, our monthly meeting. We do all of that with the manual community, but we also have special youth events um, throughout the year. Um, and one of our main things is uh, a trip away, a trip abroad to a uh, youth festival every summer. Mm-hmm. Usually we go to, we'll always go to World Youth Day if that's on, so we were in Madrid last summer and we're all already thinking about Rio for next year.
0: <laughs>
1: but this year, um we're going to the European Youth Forum, which is going to be held in a little, little town in Bavaria. It's well known as the Marian Shrine in Germany. Um, and it's called Altötting. And so the European Youth Forum is going to be held there this year. And so they're expecting about 2,000 young people mm-hmm. to gather there. And, and so it's going to be a fantastic
0: Beautiful, and, and, and this Marian Shrine. Uh, uh, can you tell us a small little bit about uh, how this became a, a shrine?
1: Yeah, yeah. well, it, it goes back to the Middle Ages. Um, there was there's a, a beautiful little little church in in the center of this town in Bavaria, mm-hmm. and since the Middle Ages, um, the people of the area have been going there to worship Mary. And they've, when you get there, it's it's really beautiful. They've got hundreds of different um, images of our lady and so it's been a pilgrimage p- place to our lady since the middle ages and so it's one of the the five biggest um shrines in germany to our, to our lady
0: now i've learned something else is that this morning thank you very much dear for that what do you guys get up to for the i, I, I think it's time from the 3rd of august to the 8th of august what yes. what do you, what do you get up to for those 5 days
1: well um, There'll be a packed program, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so we have obviously times of prayer and mass and celebrating our faith together. There'll also be workshops and teachings, so we get to know a little bit about more about our faith. And then there'll be big evening programs with concerts and and beautiful music. Um, and the best thing for me always is at these forums. It's just meeting all the different types of people from all over Europe and beyond. There's a big Egyptian community actually coming to, to the forum as well. Oh, lovely. Yeah, so it's so interesting to meet young people from all of these different backgrounds and knowing that you all have something in common with them, which is our Catholic faith, and it's just wonderful to be able to celebrate this together.
0: And it must be very encouraging to be able to share together your, your experiences of, of living out your faith in your various countries.
1: Yes, definitely, because... We all have different experiences, especially when you're talking to people perhaps from Egypt or even, even the Germans would have quite a different
2: mm.
1: um, just attitude to faith or that we might, it's not wouldn't be so usual as us in Ireland perhaps, or just a different um, society. So it's, it's fantastic to learn how the same Catholic faith is celebrated and, and nourished in the different countries.
0: That beautiful. Now, if somebody wanted to attend this forum, how would they go about it?
1: Well, you can find more information about the forum if you go to the Irish Emmanuel Community website, which is emmanuelcommunity.ie. You'll, mm-hmm. If you click on the youth section, you'll, you'll find the forum there. Um, if you want to contact us directly, um, we, so we can give you the plans for the Irish group that's going over, so there'll be, it'll be an Irish group, and so we'll fly over together and all of that. Um, you can email info at emmanuelcommunity.ie. Okay. Um,
0: and is there a closing date, um, Anna?
1: The closing date will be the 10th of July.
0: Okay, so that's just just a few weeks away.
1: Yeah, get on to us before then, yeah. And the cost? The cost is, well, it's €160 Euro for... Food and accommodation. Is that
0: in a five-star hotel, is it?
1: It's not. It's a youth event, so we'll be um, in the gym, you know, maybe sleeping bags, roughing it, but it will be be great. That's part of the experience. That's part of the youth style.
0: Yeah, Uh, I'm just just reading here now. It's uh, sort of full board, and the accommodation could be in a gym or a tent.
1: Or if we're lucky, we might get a host family. It depends on... And what's available when we get
0: there? Have you been on one of these before, Anna? I have, yes,
1: yes.
0: And yes. so you would? Would you recommend it?
1: It's fantastic.
0: <laughs> is an a, age an age profile? You know, the goes there or? Yeah, the the age.
1: The Am I
0: excluded? Put it that way.
1: Maybe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you'll find <laughs> you'll, you'll find something <laughs> else. For um,
1: 1835. Is it? Um, well, it's it's directed. Specifically, around 17 to 25, but there will be older people there as well helping out, and so you're, you're very welcome to come along. Um, but that's the if, if you're a few years older than that, you're still very welcome. Um, that's
0: okay. So we we will put up some of this in, information on our website. But just again, could you just give us those details again? First of all, the email.
1: Yeah. So info at manualcommunity.ie. Okay. And then, if you go to the manual Community website, www.
0: you
2: ie, see
1: the link to the forum, and you can get more information there.
0: Thank you very much, Neil. Anna, I'm sorry it, it, it's a short time we have together um, this morning, but thank you very much, Neil, for coming on. We'll certainly put that uh, that information up on our on our website, and look forward to hearing uh, to speaking with you again in a few weeks' time with Geraldine about your experience. Uh, with the Emmanuel Community at the recent uh, Eucharistic Congress here in Dublin.
1: Brilliant, thank you very Listen, much. Listen,
0: thank you very much. So, so going out, we we, yeah. we decided to play a piece of music this morning from your from your own Emmanuel Community Choir. It's from the album "He's Alive," mm-hmm. and it is, of course, "Jesus, Send Your Spirit." So, until we speak again, Anna, God thank bless. You very though. Much, John. God bless. Bye bye.
3: Secret space on West Limerick 102.
0: And welcome back to the second part of Secret Space on West Limerick 102. My name is John Keely. Uh, sh- John, on the other end of one of the telephone lines here, is Shane Ambrose. Anna has left us, and Shane, I believe you have another guest uh, on the other end of the line.
4: Yes, uh, a couple, listeners might remember a couple of weeks back. It was the weekend of around the 8th of June. We were discussing the fact that in Dublin archdiocese. Uh, Archbishop Jim Martin had ordained eight men to what was being called what was called the permanent deacons, and at the time we said we'd come back and we'd discuss it. But of course, we've had the whole excitement of Congress since. So this week we're joined by Brother Martin Brown. Martin is a monk of Blainstall Abbey. He also happens to be the headmaster of the school for the boys, and he also happens to be a permanent deacon. Even good morning, Martin, and welcome to the program.
3: Hello, Shane and John. Nice to be with you both.
0: Good morning, Martin.
4: Now, people might be wondering why the voice is familiar because uh, for those of, of our listeners who were watching the Mass from Pente- from, for Pentecost from Glenstall Abbey, mm-hmm. uh, they might recognise Martin's voice because Martin was the deacon that read the Gospel and preached at us. Martin, guilty as charged. <laughs> <laughs> now, Martin, you, uh, you're a monk of Glenstall. How long have you been in Glenstall?
3: Uh, I joined the community in September uh, 2001, so I'm right. um, nearly 11 years here now.
4: Wow, 11 years. And you also happen to be what's called a permanent deacon. Indeed. Now, people are going to ask, what is a permanent deacon? And <laughs> uh, we're kind of hoping that you're going to be able to give us some insight to well, it. I'll, I'll do my, my,
3: my level okay. best. Mm.
4: Um, um, well, the de- first thing I suppose is, what is a deacon? What
3: is a deacon? Well, well a deacon is a, is a minister of the church. Uh, he's an ordained minister of the church. Um, Anybody who would have been looking at either of the broadcast masses during the Eucharistic Congress at at either end would have seen that there were uh, two men on either side of the the main celebrant at each mass uh, who were vested slightly differently. Uh, Well, that's because they were deacons. Mm -hmm. Um, So deacons uh, initially were assistants to the apostles. If you look at the Acts of the Apostles in, I think, Chapter 6, the apostles uh, needed some help in feeding the widows and orphans, and so they laid hands on seven men. Uh, and these men are, are seen as the first deacons, so they were uh, uh, so since then uh, as assistance to the to the apostles uh become sort of assistance to the bishops, so they're a very close link with the bishop always um, but they are ordained ministers of the church um, the word deacon" comes from the greek uh, diaconos or diaconos I'm, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it uh, which is the greek word for for servant and so the the deacon is an uh, ordained servant in, in, to, to, to some extent that's not to say that uh, priests or bishops aren't servants too uh, <laughs> they clearly are supposed to be uh, as indeed is any baptised Christian uh, in, in many ways mm-hmm. but the um, the deacon is a, a sort of a, a public expression of the servant nature of the church uh, would be uh, one way of describing who a deacon is. It's very easy to get sort of caught up in wh- what a deacon does or what a deacon can and can't do mm-hmm. but uh, who, who or what a deacon is is uh, is a slightly more complex question to answer, and uh, that gives some sense of what a deacon uh, is supposed to be.
4: Right, and in terms of you know the, this, this thing, permanent deacon. What, what's what's the permanent bit about it? I suppose. Right. Um,
3: you mightn't. Uh, not everyone might realise it, but uh, every priest uh, who is ordained priest uh, is ordained deacon, probably about a year or so before his ordained priest. Uh, and so, for a long part of the uh, many centuries of the Church's history. Uh, deacons and the the diaconate uh, were seen merely as a sort of a stepping stepping stone. You were ordained deacon and then you were ordained priest shortly afterwards, sometimes very shortly afterwards. Uh, In in the current day and age, it's normally about a year. Uh, And so to a lot of people, uh, if they happened to be in a parish where a a deacon served for a a, uh, a couple of weeks, maybe as part of a placement from seminary, they would have seen deacons as almost uh, apprentice priests, uh, or half-baked priests. <laughs> uh, the patron saint, one of the patron saints of deacons, one of the early deacons of the church, Saint Lawrence, uh, who was who was uh, martyred by being cooked on a griddle, and he's oh, alleged yeah. to have uh, said to his uh, tormentors. Um, at one point, I'm done on this side, turn me over. <laughs> uh, well, some people think that, uh, and de- uh, uh, he was a deacon, some people tend to think that, uh, that deacons are, are priests who have been only cooked on one side and they need to be cooked on the other side to make them, make them into priests. So, uh, in the history of the Church in Ireland, the only kind of deacons that we have seen until recently have been those kind of deacons, uh, guys who are preparing to be ordained priest and uh, serve as deacon for a year or so. So, obviously... Course,
4: the, the important thing, of course, to, to, to bring across the fact that even though different terms are used between permanent and transition deacons, it's all
3: deacons. They're all the same deacons. A deacon is a deacon is a deacon. There's only one way of ordaining a deacon. Right. Uh, the, the, the right isn't any different. So obviously permanent means permanent. So a permanent deacon is somebody who uh, chooses or is chosen uh, to remain a deacon, uh, and so has no plans, or is not it is not envisaged that he will uh, in time become a priest. So... Uh, Th- that's that's what's distinctive. In fact, uh, some, in some parts of the world, in some other denominations, I know the Church of England refers to the distinctive diaconate, which might be a better better way of describing it. Uh, so the people who are who are de- deacons as deacons, not as
4: not as uh, not as a step on the on a step on the way.
3: Yeah.
4: It just it's, it's it's interesting now that you, of course, as a monk, obviously uh, the issue of getting married never doesn't arise for you as such. But can permanent deacons get married? Because it was something I suppose a lot of people were curious about.
3: Well, you have to be very careful how you answer that question. (laughs) Deacons can't get married or may not get married, but married men may become deacons. Ah, okay. Okay. Uh, So now, see, can I spell that out a a little bit more clearly? Um, uh, Obviously, those who are to be ordained priests... um, (laughs) in in the current discipline of the Latin Church, uh, must commit to celibacy. Uh, Someone like me, who's already in religious vows as a monk, um, is is already vowed to celibacy, so the question doesn't arise, as as you say. Uh, But these people who were ordained by Archbishop Martin in Dublin uh, a few weeks ago, um, I think most of them, I think seven out of the eight, I think, somebody told me, uh, are married. So married men may be ordained deacon. And in practice, most permanent deacons in the world are married men.
4: Now it's uh, interesting that you mention about most people in the world. Like this is something that has become very popular since the Second Vatican Council. Yeah,
3: um, we're a little bit uh, late and a little bit breathless in Ireland uh, catching up. Uh, but the, the fact is that the Second Vatican Council, way back in the 1960s, uh, decreed in its Constitution on the Church, uh, Document Lumen Gentium, that the diaconate was to be restored as a permanent order of ministry in the Church. Um,
4: Forty years, fifty years later, we're
3: catching up. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so, so, so shortly after that, the church began uh, regulating how, how that should happen, uh, and Rome produced a kind of a, a directory, a, a set of instructions on, on how deacons should be formed and so forth. But it was left up to each country to the, to the bishops' conference in each country to decide if and when it would introduce the permanent diaconate. So if, if anybody who has been uh, visiting in America has been in Par- and gone to Mass in America, they'd be very used to, uh, to, to deacons being, being uh, present. There, could be ten, there are tens of thousands of deacons in America. Most, most of the deacons in the world are in the United, in the United States. There are deacons in most uh, English dioceses, but I think maybe not all. And it was only in 2006 that the Irish bishops decided uh, to publish its, their directory and norms. Uh, for the permanent diaconate, So it, it was only in 2006 that they uh, indicated they were going to introduce permanent deacons, and it obviously took a few, year, a few years. Uh, then for for programmes to be set up, for training to be set up, and so what we saw two weeks ago in Dublin uh, was the first batch of of men ordained according to that. Uh, as a result of that decision in 2006. But yes, there are lots and tens of thousands of deacons around the world, but they're uh, still considered, uh, well, not considered, they are uh, quite a rare thing in Ireland. Just to get back to what I was saying there a moment ago about married men may be ordained deacons, uh, but deacons may not marry. Uh, Once you're ordained, uh, you may not marry. And indeed, uh, a married deacon who who becomes widowed uh, may not remarry.
0: All right. Yes. Okay. I had that. Um,
3: and even a permanent uh, a man who is being ordained deacon, um, as a permanent deacon, but is not married at the time of ordination, he must take the, the promise of celibacy then too. So but, it, w- once you're ordained, uh, the the uh, possibility of of uh, getting married uh, d- doesn't exist for the person anymore.
0: Martin, can I ask you something? Yes. Why did you decide just to stay? I don't mean that for, uh, facetiously. I know, but why, mean, why did you choose to become a permanent deacon rather than then continue on to priesthood?
3: Well, there were there were several reasons, some um, very personal and mm-hmm. and some okay. uh, kind of practical. I'll try I'll try and share some of them mm-hmm. with you. Um, one, I had always been just intrigued by the idea that this this had been. Restored by the Vatican Council, one of the great uh, moments of reform and renewal in the Church, mm. but it uh, hadn't happened in Ireland. Um, and one of the it, it, because some people do tend to see deacons as sort of, as I say, uh, I was I was being a little bit sarcastic, but mm. about kind of half-baked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because a lot of people do see deacons that way. Uh, they're often seen in, in in some places as as a sort of a response to the shortage of clergy. Of priests. Mm. Uh, And that that is why I I presume the Irish bishops took so long to approve the the Permanent Diaconate, which I find, I think, is is to be regretted. The the Council thought that the diaconate is distinctive in its own right. It has something particular to do. It it embodies something particularly in itself, independent of whatever functions or roles it can do. But because uh, the Irish bishops chose not to introduce uh, the Permanent Diaconate uh, un- until we got to the stage where lots and lots of parishes were being either merged or clustered and, or not having resident priests. Yeah. It does begin to, it, it, it looks a bit like they are, men- they are being seen and used purely for their function uh, as sort of replacements as the next best thing to a priest. And I, I wanted to, to see, and because there's no shortage of priests in this monastery, thanks be to God, <laughs> uh, yeah. um, I wanted to see what a, de- what a deacon can be and what a deacon can embody when he isn't just running around covering jobs that there aren't enough priests to do, okay. you know, if you get me, so That was part of it. Uh, a second part of it was a very personal thing, in that um, I, I spent a number of years studying uh, theology in England, in Durham, uh, and I was studying in a... Uh, I spent some time, actually, in a seminary for Evangelical Church of England and Evangelical Methodist student ministers, um, And obviously the whole question of being able to share the Eucharist with other Christians uh, is a a very fraught one. Uh, We're not able to do that. Uh, And I felt that in in studying alongside people who are training for ministry, uh, the the ministry of the Word, a deacon who proclaims the gospel and preaches Mm. but doesn't celebrate the Eucharist, um, that ministry sat more easily for me uh, in in, in, in my own personal context of, of having... Uh, lived and studied and prayed alongside uh, training ministers from other, from other churches, but being unable uh, to uh, to, uh, to celebrate the Eucharist together. So uh, the idea of having the, the moment of the ceremony where the, where the bishop hands you the book of the Gospels, yes. that's easier for me to digest in myself than it is for him to be handing me the chalice and pattern, uh, because the uh, the, the way, the, the level of division between the churches at the moment, I didn't feel particularly drawn to be the one who presides at the Eucharist. Now, obviously, somebody has to, and it's not that I'm fasting mm-hmm. Eucharist or anything like that. Uh, but just personally, I found it easier to get my head around being a minister of the church who doesn't celebrate the Eucharist.
0: Could I follow that through, please? And thank you for sharing that. Could I follow that through by asking you, if if you so decided, could you be ordained a priest, or are you permanent deacon? That's it. Um, uh, Sorry, not
3: entirely this, but... clear. There, there'd be right. ways around it. Obviously, someone in my situation who is uh, who is already committed to celibacy and doesn't yes. a wife yes. and, and children, yeah. uh, it might be a little bit simpler if, if that were to be decided at some point in the future. But it's. The, the, the way the church has set up uh, the structures around the permanent diaconate, it doesn't envisage that. That, that sort of a thing is, is meant to be exceptional. Okay. Uh, it's, it's not meant to be kind of a keeping your options open and seeing, do you feel like it? Well, I accept time. that. Thanks for so, that. Going
4: back to what you were saying about uh, you know, deacon being service, I suppose people will say, well, what does, you know? and although we're trying not to bound by, I suppose, the job or the task, Hmm. I suppose people will be saying, well, what does a deacon actually do?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a very reasonable question. And as I say, I I react a little bit against an an overemphasis on it, but obviously it's a question that needs to be asked because, yes, people need to know what a deacon does. Well, um, as I say, the deacon is a minister of. of, He's ordained to service uh, and to charity uh, and as a minister of the word. So uh, the deacon whenever a deacon is present at mass it is the deacon who who proclaims the gospel hmm. um he may preach if he's so designated to do so by the uh, by, by the priest or the, or the bishop um deacons celebrate some sacraments but that's i think that's actually a relatively modern uh, innovation deacons in the eastern churches wouldn't for instance carry out baptisms or perform weddings uh catholic deacons may, and to do quite often, and in a lot, a lot of parishes, again, in the States, uh, a, a lot of the baptisms would be done by the deacon. Um, the deacon might do p- part of the funeral ceremony, might might do the re- reception of remains the night before, and then the priest celebrate the funeral mass. So so deacons, they they proclaim and preach the gospel, they assist at the altar. As I say, there was always two deacons beside the, beside the bishop uh, at those uh, liturgies we saw on the television um, mm-hmm. over the last two weekends. Um, they assist at the altar. Uh, they distribute Holy Communion. Now, obviously, that's not particularly remarkable nowadays and that lots of people distribute Holy Communion. Um, and that's actually one of the things um, that is a little bit of a paradox and that some people could say, well, what can you do that a, that a, 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 a layman can't do? And in some senses, there's very, there's very little. And that's why I was saying a lot of it is actually about who the person is, or, or, or what it means to be a deacon, rather than what one can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I have something here in front of me that I, I actually had printed in the booklet the day of my ordination, um, and it's from a homily preached, believe it or not, by a Church of England bishop way back in 1977, at the ordination of Rowan Williams, the current archbishop of Canterbury. When mm-hmm. when Rowan Williams was being ordained deacon, uh, again, a transitional deacon on the way to being a priest. Uh, the bishop who ordained him, uh, as far as to be his homily, this... These, these few lines were part of his homily, and I think they're very powerful. Uh, he says, the deacon is one who waits. He's never in charge. He is the servant of others, of God, of his bishop, and of the congregation. He is a voice. It is his task to read the Lord's gospel, not his own. He is a servant. It is his task to wait at the Lord's table. It is others who preside. He is the waiter, the <coughs> Is there anything at all that is peculiar to the deacon? Is he given powers that are given to no one else? The answer is no. There's nothing he can do which nobody else can do, but that is just what's distinctive about him. He has no power. He is a servant. He's entrusted with the ministry of Christ who washes his servant's feet. He embodies the service of the Lord who has made himself the servant of us all. So I think that's a very... uh, accurate and, and yes, quite, quite moving um, vision of what a deacon is because uh, if, if you ask what can you do that, that nobody else can do well the answer is nothing uh, if there are no deacons at mass the priest, the priest will, will read the gospel if there are no deacons at mass there are lots of lay people who will help with the distribution of Holy Communion um, a lay person could just as easily uh, lead awake service in the church when the, when the body is being uh, received so so there's very few things that couldn't be done by somebody else Uh, And that's why I think it's important that the deacon is is seen not so much as what he can do, but who he is in the context of the way the way our church sees itself, which is uh, all these. uh, Our church is a church of local churches, uh, each centred around the bishop, with his deacons, his priests, his people. Uh, So it's not so much what can the deacon do as what what can the bishop, deacon, priests and people do together uh, would be kind of my slightly more rhetorical answer to the question but uh, the practical one is yes uh, preaching uh, baptising uh, marrying um, uh, and then le- leading pe- people in prayer uh, the deacon often the deacon at mass will often give kind of the instructions he will give the dismissal at the end he will uh, he'll invite people to give the sign of peace now they're very obviously very ritual things they're just kind of a moment but they also evoke another part of what is meant to be the deacon's role, which is sort of to to animate the liturgy, to kind of help help people enter into the liturgy. So it's not just a ceremonial role of being the person who kind of shouts out, go in peace. Uh, But but those little ritual things are reflections of part of the true ministry of the deacon, which is to be somewhere almost between the the people and the priest, uh, drawing the people uh, to the altar and bringing the altar to the people. Uh, So it, it, because of our his- the history of the church, it, it got kind of shrivelled up to being something that was done by men for a couple of months on their way to the priesthood, uh, and with, with very small little kind of ritual moments where they kind of they, okay, they read the gospel and they and they said said the dismissal, but they they didn't do a whole lot else. And so they, the 40, 50 years since the diaconate has been restored. Have been a sort of a time of discovery, trying to trying to figure out. And there's an enormous literature, and I have quite a lot quite a lot of it here in my shelves, uh, as to what the what the deacon is, is and what it means, and what deacons should and shouldn't be doing, and uh, how they should and shouldn't be behaving. And it, it hasn't been fixed yet. Um, it, there's still a lot of contention and looseness around it, um, because okay, 40, 50 years might seem like an awful long time, but in. in a bit like dog years church, ch- in church years that's not very long at all no no
0: no of course Sally guys now can I can, Sally can I just interject speaking about what what one has to do and what one doesn't have to do one of the things that I have to do is I have to go for a break I'm sorry about this but we can continue on again in the second in the third part in the meantime I'll go for a piece of music I'm sorry about this guys it's from Mark Forrest from his album You Are Mine let's listen to this
5: A voice came from the cloud. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. I will come to you in the silence. I will lift you from all your fear. You will. I claim you as my choice Be still Shadows of the night I will be your light
3: Sacred Space on West Limerick
0: 102. And welcome back to the third part of Sacred Space in West Limerick 102. My name is John Keely. Uh, in uh, today with us Brother uh, Martin from Glenstall and also Shane. This third part we're not going to change. Uh, it's the Gospel. The Gospel for the Sunday of the birth of John the Baptist. And before we actually read the Gospel, we always have this prayer that we read every week. And this is what it is. I pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this Word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this Word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your Word. Send your Spirit to us, so that receiving the Word in truth and simplicity, our lives be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this Father in union with Mary. He used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And of course, that prayer, as we know, is taken from Cardo Martini's uh, prayer that he used to pray with young people in Milan before reading the Gospel. So, Brother Martin, one of the functions, if that's the correct word, or one of, the, one of the beauties you have of the diaconate, is to read the Gospel. Would you read the Gospel for us today, please?
3: With great pleasure. Thank you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. God be there, Lord. The time came for Elizabeth to have her child, and she gave birth to a son. And when her neighbours and relations heard that the Lord had shown her so great a kindness, They shared her joy. Now on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. They were going to call him Zechariah after his father. But his mother spoke up. No, she said, he is to be called John. They said to her, but no one in your family has that name. And made signs to his father to find out what he wanted him called. The father asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they were all astonished. At that instant, his power of speech returned, and he spoke and praised God. All their neighbours were filled with awe, and the whole affair was talked about throughout the hill country of Judea. All those who heard of it treasured it in their hearts. What will this child turn out to be, they wondered. And indeed, the hand of the Lord was with him, the child grew up and his spirit matured and he lived out in the wilderness until the day he appeared openly to Israel.
0: Thank you, Brother Martin, for that. And Shane, uh, a reflection on that, but unfortunately because we've had a few items on this morning, you got four or five minutes max, please.
4: Okay, no problem. Sorry about that. Uh, I suppose, John, for yourself and myself, this gospel will probably be a bit more uh, personal this year because, of course, you and I both visited Ayn Karim Mm -hmm. uh, just outside Jerusalem in the Holy Land, which is attributed to be the place of the the home of uh, John the Baptist and his parents, um, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, one thing I'd say to our listeners this morning, if you have the time this week, would be to actually read the first chapter of Luke's Gospel so that you get the full... Picture of, of course, what we're excerpting this morning, which is the bat which is the birth of John, and he's naming by his mother, actually, which is the interesting thing, because, of course, his father had been struck dumb by the angel in the temple when he had heard the Annunciation of John's birth. And it's interesting when you look at it that the opening section of Luke's Gospel, there's mirror images. You have the Annunciation to Zechariah about the, the birth of John, you have the Annunciation to Mary, and the different responses of people. But we'll do that, in the, we'll, come, we'll reflect on that another day. Reflecting on this week's Gospel, though, of course, you know, the time comes for Elizabeth to have her, uh, have her child. You know, if you think about it, it's three months since the Annunciation when Mary was told by Gabriel, your kinswoman to Elizabeth, she who people call Baron, is now in her sixth month. And, of course, it means it's six months to Christmas, folks, if you want to start counting down. But, of course, you know, <laughs> Elizabeth comes to have her child. And I love the way that, you know, the first line that struck me in this week's Gospel was that her neighbors shared her joy. And I suppose when we're trying to look at it and we're trying to, you know, see this gospel in our own lives, it's kind of, when are those moments when we share our joy with other people? We're just after a great, I suppose, national celebration, an international celebration in Dublin, at the Eucharistic Congress. But if you go back to your everyday life, are there, do you take time out <clears throat> with your family and your friends to celebrate? Now, it doesn't have to be the big occasions, like the weddings or the, the, the christenings, or in Ireland, the funerals. Although celebration might not quite be the right word you use mm-hmm. there. But, you know, it doesn't have to be big occasions like that. But do you, know, you take time in a day just to celebrate the, easy tr- the, the triumphs of life, but also to share the troubles of life with people? And I suppose that would be one thing that came out of it this week for me. You know, they shared her joy. And, of course, the other thing that strikes me, of course, is the fact that, <clears throat> you know, on the eighth day they came to circumcise John you know, they were obeying the law; they were in conformity with the Jewish law. And of course, at the cer- cer- ceremony of circumcision, the child was to be named. And Elizabeth speaks out, and she names her son. She calls him what the angel had called him. He used to be called John. Of course, Zachariah had no voice in this because he had, you know, he had been struck dumb. But he supports his wife. And it's just—it's an interesting one that you know—it's a family decision. We are, and it's a reminder that we are all called. Each of us is called into the family of God by God and by our community. All of us are named for God at our christening. We are all baptised. You know, John, you were baptised, John, Mm -hmm. at your christening. And it's a a reminder to each one of us that each of us is a child of God, called by God, named by God, and most importantly, loved by God.
0: Lovely. Shane, thanks for that. Brother Martin?
3: Uh, Just a a few very quick thoughts Mm -hmm. in the text. Um, Shane referred to the... the the month, and that it's now six months to Christmas. And of course, John the Baptist said later in his life that he must uh, decrease and Jesus must increase. And now we're, we're at midsummer, and so the, the, the days will be decreasing as we move towards the birth of Jesus. The days will be getting shorter, which is a pretty, I know, a pretty horrible thought at the moment, seeing as it's so winterish already. Um, I, I'm very, always very taken with the combination of both absolute conviction and sureness on one hand and Utterly mysterious not knowing, on the other hand. Um, The earlier uh, part of the chapter that uh, Shane was advising us to read, where where Zachariah uh, is struck dumb because of his uh, failure to to, to believe or accept the uh, strange message from the angel. But then it comes to this moment of circumcision, and uh, both he and, uh, and Elizabeth are absolutely sure of what they are doing. Nobody can quite figure out why they are calling this child by this unusual name. Uh, The name actually means the Lord graciously gave. So John is a a gracious gift to them in their old age. So you have all that conviction and sureness. And then you have everybody else just watching, who is this child? What will become of him? Hmm. Um, What will this child turn out to be, they wondered. Uh, And then uh, in the way of of Luke's Gospel, where where a a lot of years get sort of collapsed into a, into a, a few sentences, the child grew up and his spirit matured. And I wonder, what does that mean? What do, how did his spirit mature? He obviously grew into a consciousness of his mission uh, to be the one who points the way towards Jesus. Uh, so I, I'm left wondering how that, how that was for him, how those years uh, between uh, the moment of his circumcision and, and his own pu- public ministry beginning were, uh, how he felt, what he, what, how, how God acted in his life, how he became aware uh, of God's call on his life and God's mission for him. So I'm I'm kind of left between the absolute sureness of the proclamation of his name and then all the mysterious bits in between as to how the people around them thought and how John himself uh, experienced uh, his early years.
0: Brother Martin, thank you very much, Neil, for that. we really have to go for a... For a break, I know um, the first part of the program was a bit delayed this morning. Uh, uh, this piece of music I must come out with before we go for this break, but, but the man's going to stay with us. It's from Kamala Hornan's uh, album. I know you who holds tomorrow, and it's actually entitled "Holy Is His Name."
2: In God,
0: sacred space on West Limerick 102 and welcome back to the fourth and final part of sacred space in West Limerick 102 my name is John Kelly joined on the other line by Shane Ambrose and brother Martin Brown from Glenstar. a very busy program this morning Shane I know we'll rush towards the end I'll let you finish up with a few little thoughts you've got there
4: Yeah just I suppose just to finish up of course Celestial Guides for this week I think the only two that I kind of want to point out the 29th of June of course is the Feast of St Peter and Paul it's solemnity and it's a feast of course dedicated to the memory of the two great saints of of the Church and particularly of course associated with the city of Rome and of course, on, those, on that particular day, we particularly pray for the successor of Peter and Paul, uh, who's currently, of course, Benedict XVI. Uh, the other saints during the week, Sir Cyril is on the 27th, and Irenaeus is on the 28th. Um, but just, I suppose, thanking Brother Martin for being on the programme this morning and our discussion on the permanent deacons. Martin, one thing that did strike me while we were on the breaks, we kept referring to men. Um, <laughs> 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 What's, the <issue> <laughs> What's the issue with the ladies and women deacons? Um.
3: Um it's 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 not a closed question yet uh, i i know the pope john paul ii m- m- made a very firm uh, statement ab- about uh, the impossibility of the ordination of women to the priesthood uh, a document called ordinatio sacerdotalis but sacerdot uh, refers to priest uh, and the church has never formally pronounced on the question of whether there may or may not be uh, woman deacons um There's a lot of evidence to suggest that there were women deacons in the early church. Uh, There's some debate as to whether they were actually deacons with the same ministry as male deacons or whether they were uh, sort of attendants who who looked after women at baptisms and so forth. But there's strong uh, strong evidence and and quite a lot of serious scholarship uh, arguing that there there were in fact women deacons. Um, And as I say, the the Pope's sort of theological think tank, the International Theological Commission, um, has been has over in in the last decades done some work on on this, and it has not yet uh, pronounced on the question. Um, so there is. At the moment, certainly, there are only, there are only men being ordained as deacons, uh, but it's not out of the question at all that there wouldn't be women deacons in the okay. not-too-distant future.
4: And, of course, we have some famous, uh, well, I can think of one, I suppose, famous deacon, of course, and that was Francis of Assisi.
3: Francis of Assisi was, was, was a deacon. Um, he referred Bec- to himself as a troubadour for Christ. He, he, mm-hmm. he went preaching and, and singing, uh, which are good diaconal things to do. <laughs> um, there are a number of other, um, obviously less less famous, because Francis is probably the most fa- one of the most famous saints of all. Saint Ephraim, the Syrian uh, was a deacon. Again, as I say, uh, he was known as a as a, a songwriter. I don't know what it is about deacons and music. I already mm-hmm. referred to um, Saint. Uh, Lawrence, the man, the man who was who was grilled to death, and of course the 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 first deacon, Saint Stephen, Saint Stephen, yeah, uh, first deacon and first martyr. Well, he was one of the seven uh, referred to that I heard earlier, chosen by the apostles, and so the first martyr in the church was a deacon. So. You can, you can take that for whatever it means, I'm not sure, but... Um. The, suffering,
4: the suffering servants of God. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Martin, thanks very much. I Jonathan, you talking to you both. Uh, do you have any notices you need to give out in
0: this week? No, just, uh, just one, just to remind people here locally again that there was something that I did ask, uh, I, I did mention last week. It's the Maranatha Healing and Retreat Family Tree Mass, and that's on today um, at 2.30 until 7.30 in St. Paul's Church in Dorodow. So all are welcome to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Brother Martin, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Next time you come on, we'll certainly, I'm, I'm very presumptuous, next time you come on, please, <laughs> you might come on next time and join us, please. And we'll certainly give it a lot more time. Mm-hmm. Thank, you very, thank you very much, Need for joining, you. Uh, you know, for, for sharing your thoughts with us this morning. Again, Shane, thank you very much indeed for joining us. And, of course, uh, thanks to Anna McNevin, who told us all about this um, youth forum that's going on uh, in Germany in. In, uh, August. So next week we'll have Father Behal uh from Lourdes, uh, and Father could have bring a, a, a few young people with him, and they're going to be giving their thoughts and reflections on the Eucharistic Congress. So until next week, uh, thank you very much. My name is John Keely. Thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning, for allowing us to come into your home. We hope that you that you you picked up something, maybe under the, maybe something on the gospel, maybe something in the music. Whatever it is, hopefully the Holy Spirit spoke with you. So, we'll go out with a piece of music. Uh, it's uh, by Daniel Ardano. The wee Daniel, sorry about the shine, but he comes up every now and again from his album, Hope and Praise. And this one we're going to go out with, it's entitled Put Your Hand in the Hand. So, on to next week. God bless now. Bye-bye.
6: Bye, bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, will you welcome Leon McCrum. Le <laughs> you yeah. I pray before I reach the age of seven When I'm down on my knees That's when I'm closest to heaven Daddy lived a life with two kids and a wife While you do what you must do But he showed me enough of what it takes To get me through all Put your hand in the hand of the man who stills the water. Put your hand in the hand of the man who calms the sea. Take a look at yourself, and you can look at others differently by putting your hand. Put your hand in the hand of the man who calmed the sea. Take a look at yourself, you can look at others differently. By putting your hand in the hand of the man
2: of Galilee.
3: Sacred Space on West Limerick 102.